0: What is going on, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of For Your Good. I'm your host, TJ Franklin, and today I have a very, very, very special guest with me today. I'm very honored. I have Mr. Billy McKinney here today. How are you doing, Mr. Billy McKinney?
1: I'm doing great, TJ.
0: And I hope you guys are having a great day, night, whenever you're listening to this one, but this is going to be a very, very, very special one. If you do not know, Mr. McKinney is the mayor of Zion. And uh, going from that point on, Mr. McKinney, how, how is it being the mayor of Zion?
1: It's an incredible and humbling honor. It's something that I never envisioned. All the things I've envisioned in my life, I never thought I would ever uh, get into politics, nor did I ever think that I would become the mayor of Zion. And my involvement happened because I was appointed as a city commissioner by the former mayor, Al Hill, right. uh, served two terms as a city commissioner of building property and zoning, really enjoyed what I was doing in terms of helping the city get better in a lot of respects. And when he decided not to run for a second term, I threw my hat in the ring. And I've really been enjoying the challenge of trying to make Zion a, a safe uh, a place to live.
0: That's amazing. And, you know, so who lives in Zion, I, I thank you for that. But uh, um, what is kind of the way you want to envision Zion going forward as mayor?
1: One of the things that I talked about a lot during my campaign was safety. We've had too much gun violence in our city over the last five years. Mm. And our police force uh, is understaffed, but they've done a tremendous job of, of tracking the gun violence and trying to minimize it a- at most. Uh, the other thing is economic development, bringing more businesses to Zion. Definitely. Uh, this year, on, with my first year in office, we're bringing a Popeyes in. Oh, wow. Um, hey. in 2000 I say 2019 2018 we brought in 19 new businesses uh-huh. that's changed with the advent of COVID and how that's impacted economic development but I always felt like this town was a diamond in the rough a, a place that could offer better entertainment options or more entertainment options I would right. say so economic development and safety and of course uh Getting our budget under control are three of the main initiatives that I want to keep focused on as as the mayor.
0: All amazing things, and I'm definitely very excited to see where that goes. I don't know if you guys know this, but Mr. McKinney grew up in Zion, and I kind of want to go on that note. How was it growing up in Zion? Actually, since you're growing up in Zion, becoming mayor, like, is like how how crazy is that?
1: It's it's crazy, but it's pretty cool. Yeah, I never thought there's two things I say I'd never do in life, and. And the, the moral to that story is never say never, because uh, they said, Lord orders your steps. Definitely. It yeah. makes your plans for you. And I said, I'd never get into politics, and I'd never move back to Zion. Not only did I move back to Zion, <laughs> I became the mayor, and I live in the house I grew up in, which is an incredible thrill. So I'm still in the neighborhood, watching it change after so many years, and being able to keep up relationships with your dad and your family yeah. and, and, and improve those relationships with people that I've known over the years for so many years.
0: It's kind of poetic if you think about it, but that's going from there. We're going to get right into it, uh, but he he's an, an, was an amazing athlete, amazing athlete. Um, he played multiple sports, Um, not only at Zion, but at Northwestern, then to go on to the league, but to kind of give a run back, how was that growing starting at Zion? Going forward, and the sports you got in, played there?
1: Sports was my outlet to get a great education. And I loved sports growing up. I was the youngest of six kids. Okay. Uh, my mother raised six kids by herself on a sixth grade education. Oh. She bought us a house instead of moving us into an apartment. And a lot of the time, when she was working, usually working three jobs to support us, I spent a lot of my time out playing baseball, basketball, football, and sometimes. Out in the streets, at the park districts, right. and on the parkways in Zion, growing up.
0: Wow. And that kind of—I want to just—I don't want to assume, but that kind of maybe fueled a fire in your gift and your talent that you had for it.
1: Well, not only that, I realized a couple things. I realized when I was going into high school that my mom would not have the money for us for me to go to college, pay for me to go to college, right. So for me to go to college, it was going to have to be financial aid, which I knew very little but bit about, or an athletic scholarship. So I started to hone my skills as an athlete, Right. baseball and basketball being my best sports at that time, with the hopes of getting a college education. And not only did I get a college education, but I went to one of the best institutes, educational institutes, I think, in the world of Northwestern University.
0: How was it? At Northwestern, like how was it playing, and how was the school environment? How how was how did it even feel to get a scholarship to play there?
1: My my first year was absolutely terrifying. Now I was the first person in my family to ever go to college, so I didn't have anyone before me that could tell me what it was going to be like. Right. It was the first time really that I lived away from home, so all the discipline that I learned through uh, being an athlete. I had to apply that in living away from home because there wasn't anybody that was telling me, you've got to get your homework done. But it was an amazing experience once I got adjusted to college life. My first year, I was a wreck, even though I had a successful uh, basketball debut and, and baseball. I was so nervous about the success and being successful and achieving not only athletically, but more importantly, academically. Right that I was almost on the verge of giving myself all I was so nervous.
0: So it was almost just a shock to you. Did you ever think about going to college?
1: Of course. Uh, okay. w- once I got into high school, that was my focus was to go to college. And uh, again, you don't have that. We didn't have the networks back then. Right. That you do it now or mm-hmm. even when you go into a college now, you have somebody that kind of takes you aside and they tell you about the classes you need to take. Right. There's so much of that first year that I had to figure out on my own or some of my teammates that were there were, were finding their way. They pulled me along, uh, kind of put me on their coattails and, and totally showed me the ropes a little bit.
0: To be honest, That's how you kind of almost maybe cultivate and learn how to handle yourself at college, which is, which is great. Honestly.
1: Yeah, but, you know, I learned a lot of that just from being at home. Once you get the great values like you've got, you had at home with your parents focusing on how important it is to be a good person, to be educated, Mm -hmm. and how to conduct yourself when you're in and out of the home, those things all transfer to every area that you participate in life. And so I understood when being a student athlete all the time, the responsibility I had to always put my best foot forward. Right. I also knew that anything that I did, and I knew this from a young age, anything that I would do that would be contrary to what I learned at home could be bad for my family name, could be bad for my neighborhood, could impact the entity which I, the schools I went to, right. Elmwood Central, uh, Zion Benton. And so the other thing that I learned from a very young age too is that anything that I did as, a, as an athlete, uh, being a role model, would also could potentially impact my family name, and more importantly, the things that I did as a as a black athlete could impact the perspective of view of people had on people of our race definitely yeah and so those were things that I learned at home. My mother grew up in the South, and so the discipline that I learned at home mm-hmm. uh, the foundation I was established at home took me through the course of my life from high school, college, and through the NBA.
0: That's crazy, and that's, all, I think, is why it's important. Um, the Bible talks about training up a child in the way that it should go. I think that's very key, because I'm going to even speak for myself. My first year of college was, it was hard. I made some mistakes, and, you know, it wasn't easy. But I that, that scripture is the most truest thing ever, because I could say that once I, you know, messed up, I didn't just keep messing up. You know, know what? I learned, yes. grew from it, yes. and let me get back on track. And if you're learning and you're growing through experiences, it may be your first year in college, and it's okay to make mistakes, but so it's most important to learn from it, go back to what you were taught and your foundation, and that's how you can succeed And And I think that's where you came from as well.
1: Absolutely, TJ. And you said something that's so crucial. You're going to make mistakes in life. Yes, Life is about mistake management and overcoming adversity. And once you get into a situation, don't be afraid to acknowledge that you made a mistake, and then figure out how you can correct it and move forward. So I always call them mistakes, uh, yes, not man. mistakes, because now you get a chance to do them over and over. It's just like uh, when you're practicing a sport; right. you become a good shooter by continuing to practice, or you uh, a good hitter. By continuing to practice on batting. And the same thing with our actions and lives. We, we don't have all the answers as we grow up. I'm 65 years old. And there are still things that I am learning. Right. And still things that when I do something here in the office or I make a comment to a citizen or at City Hall, I go back and review that as I did at a baseball or basketball game and said, how could I have done that better and how will I do it better the next time I'm I'm on that stage?
0: And the practice makes perfect, but also you know, reevaluating—that's something I, I agree with that a hundred percent. The one thing I kind of want to ask you too—you said you talked about being a black athlete. How was it being a black athlete at Northwestern?
1: On the outset, it was didn't have any issues other than from from a baseball standpoint. I was the first uh, black baseball player to ever start at Northwestern. Wow! I was the only black player on the team and when we made our trips sometimes to the south right uh, that was a much different experience back in 1970 74 yeah and it would be now it's i would encourage anybody to watch the Jackie Robinson story if you want to understand what it takes to live life successfully in the face of adversity Watch that movie and the example that Jackie Robinson set. in the, the
0: movie 42?
1: 42. Yeah,
0: 42. Amazing movie. And um, played by Chadwick Boseman, rest in peace. Yes. An amazing actor. And he did a phenomenal job on that movie. One of my favorite movies by him. A lot of people say Black Panther. That's a great movie. But 42 was so amazing. I think it was probably the best depiction of Jackie, Jackie Robinson
1: on the big screen. He's such a terrific actor. When you think about the roles he's played. Yeah. Jackie Robinson, Thurgood Marshall Jr., James Brown. Yeah, James Brown. What Wayne. versatility as an actor, one of my absolute favorite actors, and I honored him this past uh, Halloween by wearing, uh, dressing in a Black co- pa- Panther, Panther costume for Halloween.
0: He was a, a, definitely one of the... One of my favorite actors of all time. One of actually why I even got inspired by acting. Um, have you seen a movie by him called Twenty One Bridges? Yes. It's amazing. <sighs> Phenomenal movie. You guys really have to see it. But um, rest in peace to Chadwick Boseman. But just by by his by his um acting for that movie though was just it really like I felt like I was actually seeing the real thing happen.
1: It, that's what great actors do. They pull you in and they evoke emotions out of you that you know you, you didn't have. And the amazing thing about that movie too, while he was filming that movie, he was sick. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't have known it. If you go back and watch it two or three times as I had, you can see the changes in him physically a little bit. But his acting was is so terrific. And he has such range as an actor, may rest in peace. But what a terrific role model, an example of someone that was handling adversity. And handling it in such a way with such dignity and class.
0: And he didn't. I when I, when I heard the news, it just shocked me because, like you like you said, he was handling that adversity and still providing entertainment, still providing his gift, his talent to the world. And um, it just it's crazy because he was very very talented, but just to show that you could whatever you're going through, you could still. Shed light; you can still become great, and I think that's even um, very inspirational in and of itself.
1: It it is, and one of the things that you find you'll find out, and and when you're going through adversity, and you have a role that you're performing, whether you're an athlete, you're an actor, you're a mayor, you use that adversity as inspiration for you to try harder, to work harder, to be better, and to leave something that will make your community or your sport or whatever endeavor you're involved with, you make it better. And I can think about my struggles during my freshman year. Uh, I turned those struggles, those demons into very aggressive play on the court. Yeah. Those were the times that I could take my frustrations out from the classroom, my treatment, how maybe students treated me at certain times being a student athlete. I could channel all that negative energy into something positive, And I think that's the key with anything in life.
0: And that's what you're just channeling the negative, turning the negative into something positive. That's something like we can talk about the first year of um, college. That's something I very, I struggled with because I saw a lot of, there's a lot of negative situations and a lot of things going on. I'm like, I can't, I, I don't see the positive. I don't even see how I can turn it, but I found it a way. I found it. Um, God provided a way to turn my negative it's a positive, and not only for that, but to help somebody else. And I At, think that's the key, really, too.
1: You, TJ, my mother would always say, when you're struggling with something and you think you have issues, turn your attention elsewhere and help somebody else. Right. And when you do that, your struggles don't seem as, as big. And she was really instrumental in my involvement in giving back to the community. Not only did I play sports, but I also coached Little League Baseball and helped kids with basketball and, and mentored kids as I was growing up. Right. And when you're, when you're doing that, you realize that whatever struggle you have, somebody else is having that st- same struggle. Right. And you can help that person get through that, through the experiences that you've had, if they're willing to listen. Yeah,
0: if they're willing. And I think that's one thing to also encourage somebody that your situation or whatever the case may be, could be somebody's help. It could be somebody's like, OK, you know what? This person went through this. So I guess I can go through it, too. So it's when it's not just about you always and that it may hurt. It hurt when I when I when I go through things, I'm pretty sure it hurts when you go through things or whenever we all go through things. But the I want what you think that you should take out of it. Is how can I help somebody else through my... How can my story help somebody else? And I think that's the greatest thing.
1: My struggle as a young man was growing up in a single-parent home. My mother raised six kids by herself on a sixth-grade education. Wow. Statistics at that time said that anyone that was raised in that kind of environment typically would end up on the wrong side of the law. Right. And that's one of the reasons... I didn't want to be one of those statistics. My mother showed me how to work hard, how to be a good person, how to be resourceful, how to believe in myself and how to treat myself as well as other people. And I felt like my struggles for the kids in Zion, Illinois, I was the first professional basketball player to ever come out of Zion, that those struggles could be a roadmap for others whether it's sports or medicine or law that you don't have to be defined by your social economic status
0: you can make it out
1: absolutely but you've got to put in the work you've got to educate yourself and you've got to not run afoul of the law if that's at all possible
0: my my own um, question i know you're talking about um that you can make it out what would be some other advice to someone growing up right now that they're trying to find different avenues to get into and they want to make it out, but they but they see their environment and it's like they don't see anything getting better.
1: Find someone that you admire, someone that you like what they're doing, or if it's a p- particular career, contact that person and ask them for help. How did they get started at your age? Because once you're exposed to different opportunities, you'll know what opportunities can present themselves right. to you. As I was telling you prior to the, the podcast, TJ, if I would have been exposed to how to uh, architecture or building homes right now, one of the things I feel like I'd be doing was would be building, uh, designing and building homes. I love those things now, but I was never exposed to it as a young man. But it's something that I've learned later in life that I can do, whether it's through real estate, buying real estate and, and changing things. But, I didn't have that outlet, like kids have today, with the opportunity to be able to talk to professionals and people in the community about what they do and how they get into it.
0: That that's all. That's key, guys. Listen, but if you you can do anything, we talked about in the last podcast about dreaming big, but you got to put work behind it and reach out. And I thank you for even giving that um, advice.
1: Um, dream big I I was told I was too short to play in the NBA I was told that all since high school you'll never make it you'll never be a good you won't be a good high school player I heard my junior high school coach tell me that in high school I heard that you probably won't make the varsity you won't go to college you won't play in college uh, ends up being my number is retired on the wall at Zion Bay High School At Northwestern, I set the scoring record going there, was All-American for four years, All-Big Ten, wow. and held a scoring record for 35 years before it was broken about five or six years ago. Wow. So you can make things happen, but you've got to believe in yourself and you've got to put in the work to do it.
0: And that's the key. And that's why I'm taking inspiration from for myself and hopefully you guys will take it out there as well. Um, to move forward, you play in the NBA. You yes. played for a lot of teams. And I just wanted, because you, not, not only did you um, succeed at Zion, you succeeded at, mo- at multiple sports at that, and then you succeeded at Northwestern. How was it also playing in the league and the people that you played with and the teams that you played with?
1: I, I got to tell you, the most phenomenal experience I could. It, it's hard to even describe it sometimes when I reflect back at it because it was a dream come true for me. Yeah. And. If I would have said when I was seven years old when I moved to Zion in 1962 that I was going to be an NBA player, I thought that. But then for it to actually happen, and then I look behind me in my office, and there are my several of my jerseys yeah. for my rookie year when I was with the uh, Kansas City Kings, now Sacramento, and then the Denver Nuggets, and then a career in Chicago. Uh, you see me with a picture on my wall with uh, Magic Johnson, yes, sir. Uh, as a As an executive, a general manager, drafting Grant Hill with the D- Detroit Pistons. So uh, playing with Michael Jordan, yeah. you can see the my photo with the Bulls. Yeah, uh, I've had a very full and rewarding life, and to play in the NBA, I, I I can't even begin to tell you how much fun it was because every night I had, to, every day I had to wake myself up and pinch myself and say. I'm here.
0: Right.
1: Uh, when I put that practice jersey on every day, I was so proud of it, uh, and I enjoyed practicing. Then I, you go to game time, and I'm playing against Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Magic wow. Johnson, Norm Nixon, Calvin Murphy, you know, wow. Artis Gilmore, Nate Archibald, Larry Bird, uh, some of the greatest players, Akeem on, some of the greatest players of all time during that era. And I was there not just spectating. Playing, I was in the yes. game. I got my first DNP, which means uh, d- d- uh, did not play coach's decision, my last year in the NBA. So for seven years, I played in every NBA game in which I was healthy. Now, wow. this was for a player that kind of as a walk-on free agent. And I think that's very significant to the contributions I made to the teams that uh, for which I played.
0: That's, that's crazy. and I, I really hope that inspires somebody out there. That no matter where you're from, if you work hard, like you said, you can you can you can accomplish that. Um, I kind of want to ask. This is kind of a personal question, but how was it playing with Michael Jordan? Because I, me and my me and my friend, and shout out to Craig. But you know, we talk about Michael Jordan a lot. But how was it playing with him?
1: I, I gotta tell you, t- people can talk about the goat. Yeah, Michael's the goat <laughs> <laughs> because I I've never played with anyone with. Not only that much talent, but that much drive, that much competitive spirit, that much commitment and desire for excellence. And it wasn't just during the games. It, it, I look back at some of the practices, and Michael played, if you can imagine, harder or as hard in practice as he did in the games. And sometimes you don't see that with great players. They, they'll game time comes, you roll out the, turn on the red lights and they're ready to go. And practices might not be as convenient but Michael was all out every minute he stepped on that court. It was incredible uh, mental focus and the physical toughness it takes to, does, to do that as well really really takes a toll on you, absolutely.
0: Because I've seen the last dance, I think that was, like I was, you know i seen Michael Jordan highlights and things like that. I think the last dance, I don't know if you've seen it It was probably like where I could actually see behind who Michael was, and but my what my uh, friend Craig was saying is that what made Michael Jordan with Michael Jordan is that he had that he had that fire, that consistency that drove him to become great. Like you said, on the practice, on the game, it was the same fire.
1: He always played angry and with a purpose, and and I can tell you this story. Uh, I always prided myself. But one of the reasons I stayed around for seven years as other players so was always that I was in the best shape of anybody on the team. And my last year playing with Chicago, we're in preseason workouts, and Michael's there at the workouts, and I always tried to be a leader and lead in every exercise. And here's the greatest player of all time, Michael Jordan, with every drill, looking at me down the sidelines as we're competing and running and sprints and everything else like that. Yeah. And I just marvel that he never wanted to finish second in anything. Mm. Uh, but that's just a testament to his his drive and his competitiveness and his professionalism. Wow,
0: that's crazy. Oh, from a successful seventh career in the NBA, what was life like afterwards? The NBA, because I know that you you got in you um you're recruiting and yeah. scouting and things like that. How was life for the um? After the NBA
1: once I finished playing I was made an offer uh, once I was through playing to become uh, an assistant coach slash scout for Chicago Bulls so I was involved with drafting Scottie Pippen and Horace Grant Wow and those were two players that helped move that team into the championship level so I was actually in 19 I want to say 1987 I was the first uh, black executive ever hired in Chicago Bulls history Wow so again going from being the first black player at Northwestern on their baseball team to start. And then in the NBA at that time, I think I was maybe 30 years old uh, when I became the first black executive in Chicago Bulls history. And then at age 32, I was uh, singled out and hired to start the Minnesota Timberwolves expansion franchise. Oh, wow. really? So at 32 years old, I was a general manager. That's
0: crazy. So... Yeah.
1: I've had a, a long and storied career, and I had a 33-plus year in, in management. And I, I told you some of the people that I was involved in drafting, Grant Hill, of course, with the, the Detroit Pistons, uh, Hall of Famer, Lindsey Hunter, and Allen Houston. And then when I was with Milwaukee, being involved with drafting uh, Giannis and nice. and Malcolm Brogdon, who was the oh. first player in NBA history as a second-round pick to become the Rookie of the Year. Oh, wow.
0: Yes. That's really crazy, honestly. Did you, even from that, going back to when you said when you moved here at seven years old, did you even think that you'd be in that type of process?
1: No, I, I, did, I didn't. I did In fact, I thought once my basketball career ended, I thought I would walk away from the game and find other pursuits. Right. I, I, if you had asked me, I thought I'd have been executive of of a, big, a Fortune 500 company. That was my thought process as a young man, Uh to play basketball and then when it was over to walk away and find something else to do. But it took me 40 something years to do that. Right. <laughs> and, uh, when I walked away from uh, the Milwaukee Bucks in 2017 and then came back and uh, eventually became the mayor of the city of Zion.
0: Sounds a lot, that's a lot of success right there, really.
1: It's a lot of basketball, a lot yeah. of games, and in, in a lot of travel. I've traveled probably, probably about 150,000 miles a year For those 30-plus years, going out and watching players, not only in high school, college, but also in Europe.
0: That's how um, Giannis got acquired.
1: Yes. I spent a lot of time in in Europe. I learned to speak uh, Italian uh, while I was traveling, and right now uh, I'm learning to speak Spanish. So the learning process continues.
0: And that's also continue to learn, guys, continue to grow. That's because we're looking at this right now. Okay, you know, you may be in school or college, whatever, you, you graduate, continue to love, learn and grow your understanding of knowledge of the world, things around you, pick up a new skill, new traits. Don't be afraid to get into something different because you never know where God may take you in there. So going forward, um, you said that you um, learned different languages, but um, Italian was one? Yes. How... I,
1: took, I took French in high school, two oh. years of French in high school, and then the first trip I took overseas was to Greece where everybody spoke English. The second leg of my trip I spent like four days in a small city in Spain where hardly anybody spoke English. Wow. And so it was pretty embarrassing to get up one day and be hungry and the only place that was open that I could find something to eat, me and another scout, uh, was McDonald's in Spain. (laughs) Then the third leg of my trip I went to, to Rome and I've always been, for some reason, fascinated with the Italian culture. Yeah. And when I got back from that trip, I was living and working with the Seattle, I was working with the Seattle Sonics at that time, now the Oklahoma oh, City, City Thunder. Yep. Uh, I rolled in an Italian course in the off-season to start learning how to speak Italian. And I, I can't tell you how many doors that opened for me whenever I'd go over there. I got to the point that I was proficient enough to conduct interviews in Italian. I wouldn't speak English when I went there, and I never wanted to have the image of being the ugly American that never tries to learn another language. And so I would just immerse myself in the Italian culture when I was there, and I thought, for selfish reasons, one of my friends there would take me around. He was also one of the scouts for the team, but I thought, what would happen— if he's not there one day, if I got sick or if I got lost, I couldn't get back to the hotel. Right? What do I do? So I, I wanted to be independent enough to be able to get around the city and to make conversation with the natives. And it was a absolutely terrific experience. So that's where the Italian came in. Absolutely, man. And I'm I'm still
0: I'm be honest with you I'm trying to go into a different language myself. I took Spanish in high school, but I'm really trying to take a language serious. I don't know what that may be, but. I want to ask you, too, um, in the workforce, how, how much more important is it to learn different languages? Like, how would that help you get a job?
1: Well, in this day and age, in the United States of America, uh, with the population we have, and just think about it, Zion right now, our population is 33% black, 33% Hispanic, Latino, and 33% white. And so we have a... A lot of diversity in our community and it helps me the the few times that i'll pick up the phone and someone speaks spanish i can at least direct them to the person that speaks better spanish than i can right. or if they need help with something but it's essential uh because we have a diverse country very but also i think the diversity is something that i learned as an athlete to be able to play different roles uh on it on the field and it comes into play. Everything that you do from a sports standpoint that I was taught, it applies to life. Right. So if you can have the flexibility to learn different positions, as a point guard, I had to know everybody's position. Right. Uh, when, when I was calling plays. And so now being able to do that, uh, so to speak, with, by learning different languages, is challenging your mind. And, and your mind will continue to grow, and you'll stay young as long as you continue to do those things
0: and that's the greatest thing about it. don't ever just be in one type of field or have one mindset that this is the only thing i can do and that's it always go and expand that will help like you said we in zion is very it is very diverse and i think not even zion wherever you go in life that could definitely help you by learning a different language i do think that's very key
1: it, it is. Not only that, uh, T.J., I go back to my athletic career, and the one thing I never wanted to be considered is a dumb athlete. And maybe that was a little bit more uh, prevalent when I was growing up. Uh, the thought was if you went to college, you know, you you took the easiest courses or that you got in because of your athletic ability. I got into one of the toughest schools in, in the world, the yeah. Northwestern, but I never wanted to let basketball define who i was it's something i did but it wasn't who i was
0: it's like an extension of you exactly right that's that's key the podcast for myself is an extension of me but it's not who i am and i don't that could i want to ask you too that could also go to situations in life there may have been a situation that you went through or a past mistake or whatever the case may be that's not a definition of who you are it's an, it's an experience that happened to you but it's not or you could be good at something, but what you're good at is not who you are. It's just an, it's an extension of you. Um, do you, I don't know how you agree with this, but do you think that we're just all kind of made up of different experiences and different outlets of you? Oh, yeah. oh no
1: doubt about it. And, and the biggest mistake I think sometimes that we, we make in our society, and I've said this for so many years, is that we assume that if a person is good at something, whether they're a great actor or they're a great athlete or they're a great lawyer or physician that that means that they're a good person that doesn't always translate so that profession is what you do it's not really who you are because a lot of times in these professions uh, we all have different faces that we have to have to put on and I've always wanted to be true to who I really was as a person Right. it's one of the reasons it's really been easy for me to come back home and Zion uh, because one of the earliest lessons I learned from my mother growing up was that regardless of what kind of success you have, whether it's financial or you have this huge house, cars, doesn't make you better than any than the next person. It doesn't. And so for me coming back and, and being with people that I grew up with in a, in a town that helped me to become who I am, this is a real big thrill for me to be able to be the mayor.
0: It's like D. Rose going back to Chicago when he was um, from Chicago. And I think that's I actually, you know, I admire you for even coming back and, Helping make change around Zion, actually having the, um from the success that you have, cause it's definitely great. We actually had said about this in the in my second podcast with my brother about kind of giving back in any way, or shape, or form, or to anybody that you can. Um, I want to ask you too. We we did have we had to talk about this before. You're talking about how after your games you would sign everybody's autograph. You would get everybody an autograph. You wouldn't miss not one person.
1: Yeah. And my, my ex-wife used to be, not upset by it, uh, but we'd be standing outside the arenas and I'd sign every kid's autograph to ask me. And I was impacted by that by, as a young man, going to a Bulls game and standing outside and waiting to get a signature from one of the players. And he didn't have a particular good night that night, so he was angry and he stormed off and didn't sign autographs for kids. And I looked at that situation as a young man. I said, if I've been ever in that position... Because there were a lot of hurt kids that evening, I said I will make sure that I stay and sign every autograph. Because those people paid to come see you, right. they made the effort to come down after they aim to seek you out. Uh, you owe them that much uh, to show them some respect.
0: Nah, that's an amazing thing. Because let me be honest, like you, you could have just left. You could have been like, you know what? I don't feel like it. But you know what? And that you don't, you never know how much of an impact that could make. that person's life just by you doing this podcast with me is impacting my life so um with that being said you never know the smallest thing can make the biggest impact to somebody
1: exactly yeah and it's, it's those little small acts of kindness is one of the things that we have to get back in our get back to in our society right the small acts of kindness towards your neighbors uh can make the biggest impact in their life. Every day I get a chance to talk to citizens, they'll call me about something, and if there's something I can do to connect them to the right department, help them with an issue, direct them to the right person, uh, then I feel like I am doing something to make their lives a little easier when we're all going through tough times right now. We are, yeah. Uh, As a neighbor, you you know it, I've I've done things for your families and, and for families in my neighborhood because We're all in it together. Yeah. And I I feel like at some point in my life when I was a young man, some person in my neighborhood, Coleman Bass, who put the basket up on my old garage so that I could practice. And that practice helped me become a pretty good high school, college, and pro player. Did I wish I had those skills to be able to do that. But anything you do to help your neighbor or a person – uh, it can really turn their, their day and sometimes their life around. And I, and I agree with that 100%. Big, I talk about my podcast
0: all the time, but really I did it for a lot of reasons. And another reason why I did it for is because I kind of want to help somebody through a tough time, give the person motivation and encouragement. Because I know kind of growing up, I may have needed that encouragement or that motivation. I didn't necessarily know where to find it. So if I could just help somebody, encourage somebody, I don't know who, it doesn't I don't care boy girl black white tall short. If I could just help you, that's you know, and help in any way possible. That's what it's all about, really.
1: It it is. It it's a, uh, and when you give of yourself, you feel so much better about everything. And and I, we talked about this earlier that when you have issues, my mother always said if you think you're struggling with something or you're having a problem, go out and help somebody else, and then you forget about the issue that you're, you're having. And so I've kind of lived my life by that. Uh, when I struggle with things, and we all struggle, uh, I'll try to do something to make somebody else's life uh, easier when I can.
0: And that's, that's what it's all about. So with all that being said, um, Mr. McKinney, what is one thing you want to leave for the kids or for the younger generation, or for people in general, actually?
1: Don't let people define you. Don't let people tell you who you can be or what you can be and how you can become. As I reflect back on my life, I can think about, as I told you too in the podcast, the people, the amount of people that told me that I would never be a professional basketball player, that I was wasting my time, my dreams were too big. I can tell you about a city official that told me when I was a senior in high school that for me to think about going to college was ridiculous. And as a respectful young man, I can tell you what I was thinking to myself. Right. Uh, but to him, I just listened to him and I said, I am going to college and I am, I love Zion, but I want to experience more of life in everything that's out there than What's being afforded to me right here, so don't let people, the haters, persuade you from doing the things that you want to do to pursue your dreams. All dreams are possible if you are willing to work at them.
0: And that's literally touched on the same. Like we didn't even talk about it. That's literally what we said in the last podcast, and I think that's I, it. Couldn't be more relevant than. To be reiterated that that is one of the most important things to know, especially coming up and especially being young, that you can be anything and do anything. If you keep God first and you work hard, I promise you, you will succeed. But with all that being said, thank you, Mr. McKinney, for even being on this podcast. I appreciate your time and everything. Thank you so much. Um, With all that being said, guys, please understand any situation, dream, aspiration. Whatever you want to become, if you put it in God's hands, not only will he take you there, but he will work it all for your good. This is your host, TJ Franklin, Mr. McKinney.
1: Thank you very much. And again, don't be afraid to reach out to those people that you admire and ask them how did they come about their success. Don't be afraid, ever afraid to ask for help and guidance.
0: Definitely. That being said, guys, I hope you guys have a great day or night, and I will see you guys in the next one check now we-